Well, welcome. Uh, welcome to those of you here in this space, those of you joining us on our campuses, and uh, a special welcome to those of you up at our North Satellite. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Brad, and I'm one of the pastors for our young adult ministry here at Ada called Union, as well as a pastor for our North Satellite. And uh, if you're wondering, hey, uh, young adults, I'm a young adult, or I know a young adult, what do young adults do here at Ada Bible Church? How do they plug in? How, do, how does a young adult connect at Ada? Well, we meet every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock at the warehouse on the East Paris campus. Is it time for young adults from all over Grand Rapids to come and to plug in, to get connected, to take next steps in their faith? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're in college, you're out of college. It doesn't matter if you're single, dating, engaged, or married. If you are a young adult here at Ada Bible Church, this is what we do. We gather together every Tuesday night. And I would just love, I'd love to invite you. I would love to meet you there this Tuesday. Well, uh, at my house, I have three boys. And my two oldest boys are identical twins. And when I say they're identical twins, I mean, they're pretty identical. Uh, here's a, a picture of them from up at snow camp. Just a, a couple weeks ago, they turned 16. And as you can tell, like, they're, they're pretty identical. And so uh, growing up, uh, we did our, our school a favor, and we just requested that they be put in separate classrooms uh, just so their teachers would be able to tell who is who, except, except for preschool. Uh, when they were in preschool, the, the, the class, they only had one classroom. And so the teacher, she did an awesome job. She did her best, but I, and I don't blame her, but she had a hard time just telling who was who. And about halfway through the school year, I think it was around Christmas time, uh, one of my sons, whatever reason, he decides that he, just, he wants to wear a tie to school one day. And as parents, you know, there are battles that you fight this was not one of them. Uh, if you want to wear a tie to school, you go for it. Uh, so the next morning, he gets up, he puts on some dress pants, he puts on some nice shoes, he puts on a nice shirt and a tie, and he goes to school. And then after school, he comes home, and he was like the happiest kid ever. And at dinner that night, my wife and I, we pulled him aside and we were like, hey, bud, like, what, what happened today? Like, you are so excited. You are so happy. To, tell us about your day. And he said some words that I don't think I will ever forget. He said, today at school, my teacher called me by my name. She knew who I was. She didn't confuse me with my brother. And so from that day on, for the rest of preschool, this kid got up early. He put on some dress shoes and some dress pants. Here's a picture of him uh, just getting ready for school, for preschool one day. Wears a tie, a nice vest, because he knew if he dressed up, his teacher would be able to tell him apart from his brother. And so I just have a question as we begin today. For those of us who follow Jesus, is there something in our lives that, that set us apart, that make us look different or act differently or speak differently? Is there something about us that's, that's different? Because there, there should be, shouldn't there? And for those of us who trust Jesus, we believe in the good news. The good news that every single one of us have been born into a life of sin and we are an enemy of God. 
Good news. How is that good news? It was good news because Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and he defeated death. And he made payment for all of our sin. Everything that makes us an enemy of God, he paid for that on the cross. Jesus, God himself, he came to earth. He took on flesh. He lived perfectly. He died gruesomely. He rose victoriously because he loves you completely. And he didn't do all of that just so that you and I could go on living like we've always lived life before. He did it so that we'd be different. He did it so that we would act differently. We would see the world around us differently. We would speak differently. And so today, as we work through our material, we're just going to wrestle down one way in which God longs for all of us to be different. And what is that way? has to do with our words and the words that we speak. And you might say, well, words, of all the things that we could talk about that should set us apart as followers of Jesus, words? Words, words aren't that big of a deal. I mean, everybody knows, right? Sticks and stones can break your bones, but what is it? Words. Words will never hurt you. That's a lie. Sticks and stones will break your bones. And words... Words will pull apart friendships. Words will undermine trust. Words will create insecurities. Words can destroy your marriages. Words can get you fired. Words. Words have the power to bring life to other people, and words have the power to bring death. In fact, our Bibles are, are full of all of this kind of imagery. If you were to open your Bible kind of right into the middle, you'd hit a book called Proverbs. And in the Proverbs, they talk a lot about the words that we use. In fact, it's the most talked about topic out of the book of Proverbs. It's like a 150 different Proverbs are just about how we speak to each other and the words that we use. Here's my favorite from Proverbs chapter 18. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. We get to use our words, and we can use our words to bring life to the people around us or death, but, but we get to choose. And today, as we just explore what James has to say to us about how we use our words, my hope is that we become the kinds of people who speak life to other people with our words, encouragement and hope and joy into the people around us. And if you're anything like me, you'll recognize places and moments in your past when you have spoken words that were hurtful, words that wounded. And we as a church, as a community, could do the work to figure out what needs to change in our hearts and in our minds so that we can be the kinds of people who bring life with the words that we say. Uh, James, uh, today, he gives us three reasons why every word that we speak matters. Three reasons. And the first reason is this. Our words, our words are going to direct our lives. Here's what he says in James chapter 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships for an example. 
Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. He says uh, two examples. He says uh, there's a, a bit that you put in the mouth of a horse or a rudder on a ship. Both things are pretty small. I mean, both things are pretty insignificant, but they have the power to change the direction that you're headed. And James says our words, our words have that same power. And I think we've probably experienced this, right? You had a teacher, a teacher who spoke some encouraging words to you. And as you look back on those words, yeah, it just changed the direction of your life. A friend who pulled you aside and they gently shared some some hard truths with you. And you look back on those words and it changed the direction of your life. A coach who challenged you but, but didn't give up on you. And the words that they use, they change the direction of your life. I have a friend who grew up in an orphanage. And uh, as he was growing up, he, he just struggled. He struggled with life. He struggled with school. He struggled with God. He struggled with relationships. And as he was getting to the age where he was about to exit the orphanage, an adult pulled him aside, and the adult said four words to him. They said, I believe in you. I believe in you. And now this guy, uh, he's, uh, he's a follower of Jesus. He has two master's degrees. He speaks multiple languages, and he has devoted his life and his career to making sure that kids in the orphanage system just know that there's someone who believes in them. And this guy, whenever he tells his story, he looks back to those four words and he says, those four words, they changed the direction of my life. At my house, uh, my job is to take our kids to school. And so when they were little, um, I, I would use the time that we had in the car to just kind of capitalize on that and speak some words of encouragement over them. And so when we get to school and they were about to pile out of the minivan, for, for a couple years when they were in elementary school, I would say these words. I would say, today, remember who you are and whose you are. Why? Because I didn't want them to go a single day forgetting that they're loved by God and they're loved by their family. And then as they got a little older and they entered into middle school, when we would pull up to the curb at the school and they would begin to pile out, I would use that moment to say a different set of words to them. I'd say, hey, today, today, remember that no matter what you face, you never have to face it alone. Because I knew when they were headed into middle school, they were going to head into some things that might bring them confusion or anxiety or hurt or shame or regret or fear. And I wanted them to know, hey, no matter what you face, no matter what you find yourself facing, I, I am with you and I am for you and you don't have to walk through that alone. I wanted my words to just gently nudge them in a direction of hope and encouragement and joy and life. James says our words our words have the power to change the direction of our lives. And for some of us, we've been on the other side of this too, haven't we? I mean, a parent who said, hey, you're just not good enough, so don't bother trying. Don't bother trying out. Don't bother asking. Don't bother applying. And so you didn't bother. And now you look back at those moments in your life, and you just wish that you could go back and make a different choice. 
because you know if you did, you'd be in a different place in your life right now. Uh, for those of you here in this space or watching on our campuses or up at our satellite, if I asked you to close your eyes, I know for some of you, you would be right back in that seventh grade gym class when she said those words to you. As silly as it is, no matter how long ago seventh grade was, those, those words have stuck with you. You can't escape those words. And, and even to this day, you find those words just popping up in the back of your mind and even influencing the choices or the decisions that you make. And those words, those words change the direction of your life. We are where we are right now because of words that have been said to us in the past. And I think, I think one of the hardest parts of following Jesus is setting aside the words that have been said to us and picking up the words that God says to, about who we are. I think one of the hardest parts of following Jesus is forgetting what other people have said about us and remembering who God says that we are. And I find myself often just being stuck in this cycle. And one of my go-to verses when I'm spinning my wheels and I'm just listening to what other people have said about who I am and I need to be reminded about who God says I am, I find some encouragement in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, this is from the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to the Colossians. And he says, hey, everyone else, like they're calling you these names. They're saying these things about you, but you need to remember who God says that you are. Here is how God sees you. He sees you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you are just stuck with some harsh words that have been said to you from your past, sit here for a moment. Let these words sink into you. God sees you as perfect, without any faults. There is nothing that could possibly make him love you less than he already does right now. And if that's true, then I think before we move on, it's worth pausing to mention that not only do the words that other people speak about us and to us, do they matter? I think the words that we speak to ourselves matter. Because that's how God sees us, without blemish, without accusation, perfect, holy. If that's how God sees us, then if we speak to ourselves and we say that we can't, we probably won't. If we say we're not smart enough or fast enough or pretty enough or good enough, it's going to change the direction of our lives. Let's be the kinds of people who speak life to those around us and the kinds of people who speak life to ourselves. Uh, the first thing Jesus said, or James says is that our words are powerful, our words matter, and our words are going to direct our lives. And the second thing he says is words Words will ignite fires. Here's what he says. He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
at my house, I, we have one of those portable fire pits that we just put in our driveway. And in my neighborhood, we live in a cul-de-sac, and it's, it's like a, um, a signal beacon to all of our neighbors. Hey, if somebody has one of these fires going in the driveway, anybody's welcome. Anybody can come over. And for my kids, I really want them to be kind of like outdoorsy. And so to be able to build a fire and to be able to build a shelter and be able to survive in the wilderness of my driveway. <laughs> and so we, uh, we always start a fire in our driveway. We start a fire with this. Uh, you know what this is. This is uh, flint and steel. Uh, it's pretty simple. You take the steel part, uh, you rub it on the flint, and sparks fly, right? Uh, it doesn't take very many of these before the paper in the fire pit will catch, and that will catch the sticks, and the sticks will catch the logs, and pretty soon we have a blazing fire in our driveway. And James says, your words, you can fling your words out like these sparks. And James says that every word you speak matters. Your words, your words matter because they can be like sparks that fling out, and before you know it, you have burned someone around you. Fourth of July, a couple years ago, um, one of my sons, at one moment, he was using a sparkler to write his name in the summer night sky. And the next moment, he was screaming. And I ran over to him, and a piece of the burning sparkler uh, had uh, broken off and hit him in the side. And just instinctively, like, he, he put his elbow in like this. And sure enough, he had a burn on the inside of his elbow, and he had a burn on his side. And to this day... He has a scar in both places. At fires, fires can be beautiful. Uh, fires, fires heat our homes. Fires can make us a delicious s'more. Fires can create art on the end of a sparkler as we use it to write in the night sky. And fires can be devastating. Fires can hurt and fires can wound and fires can leave scars that will last a lifetime. And so a question for you, what kind, of, what kind of fires are you starting? What kind of fires are you starting with your words? In conversations with your date or your spouse, are you starting the kinds of fires that are leaving them walking away from that conversation, hurting and wounded? Or are you starting the kinds of fires that are igniting joy and hope and passion and energy in their lives? In conversation with your kids, are you starting the kinds of fires that are leaving them wrestling down your words weeks or months or years later? Or are you igniting something life-giving? Are you pouring gasoline on their dreams and watching them grow and learn and inspiring them to move forward in their lives? James says our words will ignite fires in the lives of other people. And the question, the question is, are you igniting life-giving fires? Uh, Jesus, uh, he ignites a life-giving fire in the lives of people in uh, Luke chapter 24. Uh, this story is about uh, two guys and they're, they're walking down a road and they are confused, they're frustrated, they're upset uh, because they had put their hope in Jesus. 
They walked with Jesus. They heard Jesus speak. They watched him teach. They watched him do some miraculous things. And they believed that Jesus was the hope of the world. They believed that he was the Messiah, the Savior, the one who would rescue humanity. And then they watched him be arrested. They watched him be crucified. They watched as his body was put on a cross and they watched him die. And now, a couple days later, they're walking back home and they're frustrated and confused. And they just don't know what they're going to do. And they don't know yet that Jesus has defeated death, that he's defeated the grace, he's risen from the dead. And a stranger comes and begins to walk alongside them. And they don't realize at that moment that it's, it's actually Jesus who is walking with them. Uh, maybe uh, they're just so in shock that they can't even imagine that it would be Jesus. Or, or maybe Jesus, I don't know, has some kind of a disguise on. Whatever reason, they, they don't know that it's him. And as they walk together, Jesus opens up the scriptures and he begins to show them and point out how everything in our Bibles was directed. It points towards what had to happen in the life of Jesus. It points towards the cross. It points towards the reality that the cross had to happen so that payment could be made for our sins. And later on, these guys, after they realized who it had been that they were walking with, they say these words to each other. I love this from Luke 24. It says, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were our hearts not burning within us? Jesus started fires that ignited hope and encouragement and life in the hearts of people. Let's be the kinds of people who are starting fires of hope and life in those around us. James, uh, he says, our words, our words will create direction in our lives. Our words will ignite fires in other people. And then he says, our words... Our words will reveal our hearts. As he continues in chapter 3, he says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James is saying there's a, there's a chance. There's a chance that you could come into this space and you could sing songs of praise to God. You could be encouraging to the people around you. And then you can walk out those doors and you can be discouraging to your spouse. You can yell at your kids. You can walk into work on Monday morning and curse your coworkers or curse your boss. And James is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. If, you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, that, that's not how it's supposed to be. Can a, can a salt spring and a freshwater spring, can they come out of the same spring? No, well, they shouldn't. But sometimes with our words, sometimes with our words, it does. Uh, Jesus uses some of the same imagery when he says this in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 6. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. 
People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our mouths speak what our heart is full of. If you had a, a glass of water and you were walking down a hallway and somebody were to, to bump into you and you spilled some of the water and then somebody else said, hey, why did you just spill that water? Uh, you would say, well, I spilled it because somebody bumped into me. I mean, that's only part of the truth, isn't it? Because the reality is you spilled the water because you have a full glass. And if this glass represents our hearts, Jesus says that we can store good things in our hearts or we can store bad things in our hearts, but we will be bumped into on a regular basis. And whatever we have stored up in here is going to spill out of our mouths. And so when we go throughout our day and frustration bumps into us, it's going to spill out of our mouths. We go through our day and, and anxiety bumps into us. It's going to spill out of our mouths in the words that we use. When we experience uh, just words from uh, parents or coworkers and they bump into us, it's going to spill out of our mouths in the words that we use. Jesus says what our hearts are full of. All of that is going to bubble up and it's going to spill out of our mouths. It's like we have this war waging inside of us. And whoever happens to be winning the war at that point in time, that is what's going to bubble up. And it's going to come out in the words that we use with the people we speak to. A few years ago, uh, we finished our basement. And the night before the construction workers were scheduled to come over, uh, we, I took my boys out to the store. We bought this big packet of permanent markers. And we came back to our house, and then I printed out just a handful of verses for them. They got to pick out the verses. And then we went down into my basement, and I gave them the markers, and they just spent some time writing out these verses on the concrete floor of my basement and some of the concrete walls of my basement. Uh, there's a couple of pictures of them just uh, writing out these verses on the floor and on the walls. And at some point in the future, someone's going to have to, I hope it's a long time from now, but someone's going to have to rip the carpet out of my basement and they're going to have to pull the drywall off of my walls. And when they do, they'll find scripture written all over the concrete of my basement. And I love that story. I love that story because if someone were to rip me down to the core, if someone were to pull apart everything else that I am so that all is left, all that's left is the center of me, my hope is what they would find there would be this deep dependency on the person of Jesus. Because Jesus says what's in here matters because it is going to bubble up and it's going to come out of your mouth and the words that you use. Uh, James says uh, you, you can't have a salt and a fresh water. You can't have those two things coming out of the same spring. It's not how it's supposed to work. If you're a follower of Jesus, this isn't how life is supposed to work for us. So what do we do? 
I mean, how, how do we fix it? How do we take steps forward trusting Jesus with the words that we use? Well, I have three ideas, three things that I think we as a church can do this week as we work to just put some effort and energy into the words that we use so that we can become people who speak life to those around us. And the first thing, uh, the first thing is this. Let's let God Let's let God transform our heart. Let God transform your heart. Jesus says you can store up good things in here or you can store up evil things in here. Maybe this week as a community, as a church, Ada Bible Church, we could commit to storing up one good thing in our hearts together. I think one way we can do this is just memorizing a passage of the book of Psalms together. There's a passage in in Psalm 19, verse 14. It says this, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. This is one good thing this week that we together could store up in our hearts. Uh, Here in this space, and if you're watching on our campuses or satellite, uh, let's, let's say this verse together. You ready? Here we go. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. I believe when we allow God to transform our hearts, we don't have to do a whole lot of work to change the words that we use. Because when God changes our hearts, our words will follow. A second thing that we can do Together this week as a church, let's just slow down. Let's just slow down. Uh, James has already given us some advice. If you remember back in James chapter 1, he says these words in verse 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's just, let's slow down. Slow down with the words that we speak. Slow down so that we don't say something we shouldn't. And slow down so that we can consider saying something that we should. Are there words that we could use that would be life-giving to the people around us? Maybe if we find ourselves in a heated conversation or a conversation that has the potential to become heated, how can we be encouraging and helpful How can we speak words of life to the people around us? And uh, number three, let's be the kinds of people who apologize regularly. Uh, Apologize regularly. Uh, If you were to look back up to the beginning of chapter three, James says that we're all going to stumble We're never going to get this right 100% of the time. We're going to make mistakes with the words that we use. And if that's true, then let's be the kinds of people who recognize that, who acknowledge that, and who are quick to apologize and apologize on a regular basis. Let's be the kinds of people who say the words, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said those words to you. And and I'm sorry. Let's be the kinds of people who apologize regularly. 
Uh, that brings us back uh, to my son wearing a tie to preschool. And I don't think I'll ever forget the words that he spoke to us at dinner that night. He said, my teacher, my teacher called me by my name. She knew who I was. And listen, God knows you. God sees you. God is calling you by name to live the life that he has designed for you to live. To live the life that he has created for you to live. And for some of us, that means that today, not on Wednesday, not tomorrow, today, today we need to apologize. And we need to reach out to that person and we need to apologize. And uh, I get it. Some of you might say, well, I've, I've already apologized. I've, I don't need to apologize again. Well, you know what? Sometimes, as James says, our words create forest fires. And fires take energy and time and effort to put out. So reach out and apologize again. But take that step to apologize again. Say the words, I'm sorry. You never know. It could change the direction of someone's life. And let's do the work. Let's do the work of transforming our hearts so that we can reflect that goodness to the world around us through the words, through the words that we use. Let's be people who speak life into others. Uh, we stand with me here and on your campuses. I would just like to pray for us as we enter into a new week together. Let's pray. God, for those of us here in this space and uh, those of us who are just feeling that nudge that you are giving us to reach out and to apologize, God, I pray that you would give us courage. I pray that we would listen to the prompting of your spirit as you move us because, because that could change the direction of someone else's life. And I know that there are probably more than a few of us here in this space and uh, we have felt the sting of someone else's words. We are feeling the burn of a fire that someone else started in our lives. And, and God, I just, uh, we I know that there are some of us here, we just don't even expect an apology. That person hasn't apologized and we can't even think of a day when they would. And for us, God, I just pray I pray that you would restore our hope. You would bring us healing. You would restore our joy because you know, you saw, you heard when those words were first spoken. So God, we just pray for courage to walk through our week, trusting you with the words that we use. May we be people who bring life. And we pray this in your name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for being here. We will see you next week.